0: Just take whatever dice got rolled out. I'm going to take my situation to the Lord because I serve the God of creation.
1: To Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. And now for today's Core Truth, we pick up in the book of James, chapter 4.
0: I entitled this message, Who's Our Friend? I wonder who we befriend as individuals. Who is it that you know, we choose to draw close to? Who is it that we set our affections around? Who is it that we liken ourselves to? Who or what is our best friend? Could be a person, the way the world goes. A friend, according to the dictionary, is defined as a person... Are a familiar thing that we know well, a close acquaintance, someone or something that we agree with, one that's not an enemy, a supporter and a, a sympathizer, you could say. Yes, with those definitions of a friend, it's safe to say that we all need a good friend. It's also been said, quote, money can't buy you friends, only a better class of enemy, end quotes. And it was also Gilbert Chesterson that said this quote, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because they are generally the same people. Yes, that is true. One thing for sure, a good friend is not easy to come by. We learn this at a very young age. Listen to what these children had to say about friends. Rebecca, age seven years old, said this, I thought Carter was my best friend until he sneezed in my face and he didn't say he was sorry, in quotes. Remember guys, just trying to help you out here, when sneezing in a girl's face, always, always say you're sorry. Okay, just want to point that out. Cindy, age nine, said, Jake could never be my friend. He picks his nose in class. Gross, she said in case you guys haven't already figured this out, picking your nose is always a deal breaker with the girls. Just wanted to point that out. Amanda, age seven, said this quote, I can't play with Jacqueline anymore because she is too boy crazy. We're only seven years old. We have a few years before we have to worry about that. You know, at least until you're 10 or something. Come on, you know. And Lewis, age nine, said this, I can't stand my older brother He used to be my friend until he hung out my underwear on the tetherball pole at school with my name on them. Yes, I had an older brother. I can tell you this. You cannot always trust older brothers, okay? They will bring out the worst sometimes. And then finally, uh, Sherry, age eight, said this. I learned the hard way that when your friend copies your homework, borrows things, and never returns them, they're not really your friend. You're, you're just there for them to wipe your feet on. Wow, Sherry figured that out at eight years old. Yes, yeah, some friends are not really friends at all. Yes, yeah, some things uh, you learn as a child never change. And the same goes for politics. For those in politics learn real fast that true friends are few and far between. It was former President Harry S. Truman that said this, quote, If you want a friend in Washington, D.C., get a dog. (laughs) That's true. And former Texas Governor Ann Richards said this, I've always said in politics your enemies can't hurt you, but your friends will kill you. Yes, yes, true friends are hard to find. Yes, it's a true friend that will stick with you though through the thick and thin. That's why the Danish proverb is right when it said, a road to a friend's house is never long. Remember, a friend is one who walks in when the rest of the world walks out, yes. And today as we continue in our series, Practical Christian Living, we'll pick up in James chapter four and we'll consider three points in light of our title who's our friend? Number one, renouncing the world. Are you a friend of the world or is the world kind of a foe to you? Number one, renouncing the world. Number two, resisting the devil. The Bible says the devil is the God of this world. Are we resisting him? And number three, seeking the Lord, because that's the only place we're going to find true peace for our lives. Well, let's look at our first point, renouncing the world, As you know, we finished chapter three of James last week, so we'll pick up in chapter four, and we'll start reading, of course, in verse one. It says, now, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. And you are envious and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Verse five, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? that he, God, jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Well, we're gonna stop there for a moment because boy, there's a lot there. So let's start pulling this apart here. Now, I wonder how many of us here today would like to cut down on the conflicts that we have in our lives. I think most people do not wake up every day desiring to have burdens and conflicts, you know, come down upon them. Although some of you might say, well, then you haven't met my family, then have you? Yes, and that's true. Yet I'm sure for most of us, it's safe to say that we would like to be as conflict-free, you could say, here as possible. And if that would describe you, then notice verse 1 and 2 gives us the source of fights and conflicts. There are many ways to describe these, like conflicts with people, in the church, or uh, about the church, or with a church this size, we're filled with a lot of people that come from many different backgrounds. I mean, look around a little bit. We all come from many different backgrounds and many different walks of life. You know, in fact, and this is obvious here outside of our faith in Jesus Christ, many of us would never sit in the same room together. But because of Jesus, He has broken down those walls, and we find ourselves now, man, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, but just like in all families, there are times that you have disagreements and arguments, and not just between us, but but within ourselves, in our own selves, our own lives, you know, battles that wage between our old lifestyle of walking in the world and our new lifestyle of walking in Christ, that we desire now to well be who Jesus wants us to be. That's what our desire is, or at least that's what it should be as Christians. There are times that we still lust after the things that are not good for us. So here we are trying to walk and be who Christ wants us to be, but yet there's still uh, this old nature that lives inside of me. Now, lust is coveting, and it's really described in the Ten Commandments. It's the 10th of the Ten Commandments, by the way. It's recorded in Exodus chapter 20. That's where it's first recorded, the Ten Commandments. And so it says about the 10th commandment in verse 17 of Exodus 20, it says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Okay, that's pretty straight up. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. Yeah, that's pretty straight up. You shall not covet his male servant or his female servant. And you shall not covet his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, you might say, well, pastor, I'm good. At least I'm part of this. I have never coveted my neighbor's donkey. Okay, good for you. I'm I'm glad for that. But many of us have coveted almost everything else. Well, you just got a new car. That's so nice. How come I didn't get a new car? Okay, you got a new dining room set. That's nice. How come I didn't get a new dining room set? Yes, you know, it all starts when we're little though, doesn't it? You know, remember like on Christmas day when we were so excited about everything that we got from our parents? That is until we talked to our best friend. Oh man, how's it going for you? Oh, it was great. Well, what did you get for Christmas? And all depending on their answer on whether we're going to have a good day or not. Because if they got way more than we got, oh, all of a sudden now we're bummed. I didn't get that much. Now if we got more than them, well, we're feeling pretty good. I remember my dad; he always bought me Huffy bicycles. That's nice. You could get the Huffy at the grocery store. They sold bicycles at Alpha Beta back then. It's like, where did your dad get your bike? The grocery store. I wanted a Schwinn. I always got the Huffy. But it's like, okay, it's a new bike. I'm good with it. Until, of course, my next door neighbor, he got the Schwinn. Oh, just burn this thing. All right. Anyway, it's just a part of the lust of the flesh. It's called, you know, just lusting. Now, to lust means to long for something that you don't have. To lust means that you strongly desire that that maybe someone else has. You know, to lust means that you're craving for that that you just don't have. It's craving. It's where we are consumed with something continually. I gotta have that thing. Why don't I have it? They have it. How come I don't have it? Why does this happen to us? And why does it still happen to us once we come to know Christ as our Savior? Well, its roots are connected to our sin nature. We still have a sin nature that lives inside of us. And all of the advertising companies around the world, they know that. And they make millions by creating the right slogans and packaging to tap in and attract the lust of our flesh so that we, the consumer, me and you, feel like we cannot live without those products. Oh, I, I got to have that thing. I mean, why else will we pay 200 bucks for a pair of jeans? because of the label. I mean, why would anyone pay that? You know, why would anyone pay, you know, more money for Apple products when you can buy other products that do the very same thing for way cheaper? But no, we many times will pay two, three times as much money more for the name brand product just because That's the way we're conditioned here in America. These advertisers want us to buy the name brands. And this is accomplished by going after and manipulating that lust of the flesh that is in every single one of us, which creates this problem. And what is that? The lust inside of us cannot be satisfied. So here we are. The advertisers are tapping into something that yet We can't be satisfied. That's why Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones is still singing about satisfaction. What does he say? Can't get no satisfaction, okay? Meaning that, you know, everything we have, you know, everything that comes to us, it's like it's never going to satisfy us for long. And we already know this, right? What person, place, or thing has ever brought you a lasting satisfaction? Oh, I got the new car, it's so cool! This car is bad. I love this thing, and then next year, what do they do? Whoa, it's got 20 horsepower more. What? It's got bigger brakes. It handles better. What's this piece of junk I'm driving? Okay, it's like you ladies, you know, you you buy and you add to your wardrobe, and you spend more money for this nice garment and that, and paid extra for that, and these shoes and that, and the belt and the purse and the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, you walk in your closet one day and you think, my wardrobe is hopeless. I got to scrap this whole thing. I got to start all over again. You already have forty pairs of shoes, but I can't wear those. They're completely out of style now. I mean, it's like it just—it never ends. We're never satisfied. Yes, it's. A big problem that we have, you know. So no matter how much we beg, borrow, or steal to get whatever we want, it's only a matter of time before we need something else. Yes, it's a battle to say the least. It was inside of us and it's at the very core this sin nature that we have that we lust after. We desire and seek many things from wanting our own way to wanting the things in life that we don't really need now Paul shares about this personal battle in his own life when he said in Romans seven twenty three he says but I see a different law in the members of my body it's waging a war the law of my mind in making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members he says wretched man that I am who's going to free me from this body of sin and death because like I, I know the things that I, I want to do, I know what's right, and I don't do those things. And then the things that, that I know that I should do, I don't do those, and then the things that I know I shouldn't do, those are the things that I do. Oh it could be very frustrating battling this lust of the flesh that's inside of us. Know this. If we push hard enough in certain areas, even areas that are wrong, to obtain that which we don't really need, you know, we're We'll end up getting those things. But again, we only find out that it doesn't satisfy. But don't miss these two distinctly different prayers that he lays out to us here. These are two prayers. First, there's the prayer that we didn't pray. And second, there's the prayer that we shouldn't pray. So he talks about two prayers. One of them is the prayer we didn't pray. And the other one's the one that we shouldn't pray. So first, let's look at the prayer that we didn't pray. Verse two says, we have not because we did not ask wow so I wonder how many times God wanted to actually come down he knows what we have need of and he wanted to meet the need but the answer was not given because we never asked we never asked we just stood in our misery and we never asked you know we were seeking other ways to get out of the jam that we were in we were not seeking him We should have prayed about those things we should have we should have prayed fervently but we didn't pray fervently maybe we threw up a a a, a flippant prayer but it wasn't a fervent prayer and god wants us to pray you know i think about in luke 11 jesus gave us an example and he said there was a guy that was at home he was sleeping and some friend came from a long journey and woke him up in the middle of the night well, he realized he didn't have enough provisions to feed this family. So he goes to his next door neighbor, and he's beating at the door at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And his friend's like, go home. Get out of here. Don't bother me until the morning. He goes, no, 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 I had friends come in. there. We didn't know they were coming, and, and I got to feed them some. I don't have enough food. You got to give me some food. And he's like, go away. I'll see you, see you tomorrow. And he's like, no. And he's beating on the door. So the guy gets up, and he's like, the only reason he got up is because you're bugging me. And you keep knocking on my door. So here, take what you want and go. Now, Jesus takes that, even though the wrong motive was there. He says, no, your father, isn't he so much more loving than that? If you continue to persevere, you continue to seek fervently. Don't you think your father's going to listen to you? Jesus gave the same example in Luke 18. So the same thing he said in Luke 11, he says again in Luke 18. And now he uses an example of a woman who needed a lawyer to help her. And she's like begging him, you got to help me. Well, you can't afford me. I don't know, but you got to help me. And she just kept bugging him. Finally, the lawyer says, this woman is like a nightmare to me. I can't get rid of her. So I'm going to go ahead and help her. I'm going to give her everything she needs because she wants won't stop bugging me. Jesus turned it around and says, but isn't your heavenly father so much more loving than that? So if you fervently, continually seek the Lord with perseverance, will he not hear you? Understand, I believe there are many areas in our lives that we just accept as part of life. We just accept it. Call it Murphy's Law. That's the law that simply says whatever can go wrong will go wrong. So you just accept it and you just roll with it instead of saying, wait a second. I don't want to just roll with this. I don't want to roll with the bad deck that's been handed out to me. I don't want to just take whatever dice got rolled out. I'm going to take my situation to the Lord because I serve the God of creation and I'm going to serve Him. That's why... Jeremiah points out to us in Jeremiah 32 17 he says oh Lord God behold you have made the heavens and the earth with a great power in your outstretched arm your outstretched arm and nothing is too difficult for you so we have to go to the Lord and continue to go to the Lord I wonder if you have not because you never asked You never persevered. You never just continued to say, oh Lord, you know I need your help in this. That's why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you for everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, it will be opened for you. Now that's all in a plural sense. You have to keep asking keep seeking and keep knocking and it's like that's when god hears now i will say here there's you know god's going to answer that prayer in one of three ways one as he's given an example here if you persevere god's going to hear you it's going to be yes but then we have to remember you could be asking something wrong which we're going to look at here next and god answers the prayer immediately and it's immediately uh no okay no well, I've been praying about it for 10 years. Well, God answered that prayer 10 years ago. And the answer is still the same today. No, okay. But I got I to gotta win the lottery, Lord. If I could just win the lottery, everything would be great. No, I'm not giving you the lottery. It's not going to happen like that. And it's like, it was no, the first time you prayed it. So, and, but then there's a third prayer. And that's, you know, the way that God answers. And it's, it's yes, but not at this moment. Like it's going to come, but not at this moment. So it's yes, but, but wait so that's it so again but like it says in verse three we can ask god and then we're going to look at the the no answer here okay we can ask god for things and we will never receive them like you're, you're asking but i've been asking and asking and god hasn't heard this first no god heard the prayer and he answered no why because like it says in the king james bible there we ask amiss meaning we ask for something with all the wrong reasons. Lord, please give me the new 2022 Porsche 911 GT3. Dear Lord, it, it ran a sub-7 in Nuremberg. The thing is so fast. It's got huge brakes. It's like, a, it's like a race car that's street legal. It's like, it's naturally aspirated. It'll rev to 9,000 RPMs. And oh God, it's like, oh, I'll drive people to church in it. Well, not people like a lot of people because it doesn't have a back seat. It only has one. I, I'll train one person. I'll bring him. And Lord, because it's got a top speed of 204 miles an hour, I'll never be late to church again. Okay, so, so you know, you can try to justify all of these things, but, you know, the reality is, it's like, no, that's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. Okay, yes, we have not because we ask amiss so that we can spend it on our own pleasure. Or we pray for something to go our way just so we can say that we were right in the situation. Uh, God, does, He doesn't get into those games with us. Know this, God is not going to answer those prayers. And worldliness is really the center issue of what we're talking about here. Because the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. You think the Lord really cares if you have a new car or not? I mean, it's like, hey, have a new car. If you work hard, you know, Solomon said, enjoy the fruit of your labor. If you, can, if you work hard and you work overtime and you can buy a new car, go buy a new car. I'd rather, buy, I'd rather drive a new car than an old car. You know, it it's nothing wrong with having nice clothes. There's nothing wrong with buying nice stuff. It's just when that stuff has you, that's the problem. That's why we see such a sharp uh, turn here in verse four. As James says, you adulteresses. Wow, (laughs) it's like that's some heavy language here. This is a metaphor of someone being unfaithful. See, it's like the person that's sitting there trying to be the godly person and, and yet they have all of these worldly lusts that are going in their life and everything. We see this throughout the Old Testament where Israel was likened to an adulterer in their relationship with God. Now, why would God liken them to adulteresses and adulterers in the Old Testament? Because they they would bow down and worship the false gods of their culture that they had there. They would look to images for deliverance instead of the one living God kind of like America's doing today. We're going to look to politics to be our deliverer of COVID. We're going to look to science for the deliverer of COVID instead of the living God. And James lays it out here on the line and he says, your problem is this. You're worldly. You're looking at the world to satisfy your needs inside. You're looking at the world to give you a joy and a happiness instead of the one who created you. You have become friends with the world. This is what the problem is. This is what the issue is. Here in the original language, this means you have a deep affection. You have a strong emotional attachment to the world. You don't want to let go of what the world has to offer. I wonder if this could be said about any of us here today. There can be many signs of this. For instance, some will side with the world over what the Bible says. Oh, this is a big issue here. Many people that claim to be Christians, and yet they side with the world on issues that God has already told us is wrong.
1: That's all the time we have for this message. Join us next time for part two. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Court Church is sponsored by an, a listener supported outreach of Court Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Court Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at courtchurchla.org. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you.